Good songs about the love of God. That will be our focus this afternoon. The love of God can be said to be like the, a temple of love. A temple of love. Be turning your Bibles to Ephesians 3 for a second. Ephesians 3. And notice there, there's a paragraph where Paul is praying for these brethren. Verses 14 to 19. Ephesians 3. And then notice that he's expressing his appreciation for the love of Christ. And then notice that in verse 18, Paul describes how that God's love has dimensions, has dimensions. In Ephesians 3 verse 18, he mentions the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love. So it can be said it's like a temple of love. The width and the length, the depth and the height. Now, in your Bibles, mark this, that this description, this, these dimensions fit perfectly over John 3.16. Okay, John 3.16. So, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that's the width, that's the width. And then, that he gave his only begotten son, that's the length. That's the length. That whosoever should believe in him, that's the depth. That's the depth. Should not perish but have everlasting life, that's the height. The height. So Ephesians 3.18, laid over John 3.16, shows us the dimensions of God's love. And we want to look at this just a little bit closer for a few minutes. Okay. So let's begin, first of all, with the width of God's love. For God so loved the world. The world. That's the width of God's, God's love. Think about the word geography. Geography. For God loves everyone no matter where they are at on this planet. Remember what Jesus said to his apostles in Acts 1 and verse 8. And you shall be my witnesses beginning here in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Of course, Jesus, before he left the earth, said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, everyone, everyone. So think about geography when you think about the width of God's love. Also think about the word family. Think about the word family. God loves female and male family. Galatians 3, 28. He loves the, the young and old alike. God loves family. Notice here in Ephesians 3 and verse 15. From whom God, from whom every family on earth and in heaven is named. Okay. God loves every family on earth. Male, female, young and old. And then think about uh, the word nationality. Nationality. Okay. Because God loves every nation on earth. Now think about what Peter says in Acts 10, 34 and 35. He says he had learned that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, there you go, that in every nation he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted by him. No matter where you're at on this earth, no matter what nation you're part of, 
you must first fear God and then work righteousness and then you'll be accepted by God. So think about geography, think about family, think about nationality, also think about society because no matter what role you're playing in society, God loves you. Whether you're rich or poor or whether you're a tent maker or whether you're a fisherman or whether you're a farmer, no matter who and what you are and what you're doing with your life, how you spend your time, God loves us. He loves everyone. So think about the width of God's love. Grandpa said to granddaughter, tell me how much you love me. And she said, I love you this much. It's as far as wide as she could go. God loves us that much. He loves, his love goes here and yon. And then secondly, let's think about the length of God's love. The length of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave. That's the length of his love. The length of his love that he gave. He went to the length. Okay. He went to the limit for us. Sparing nothing that he gave his son. That's the length of his love. We read in Romans 8 and 32, God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. See, that's the length to which he went in order to show us his love, in order to save us from our sin, that he gave his only begotten son. God's love and the length of it. God's love in this regard can be thought of in terms of time. God loves us through Jesus. He loved us in the past. Before we ever were, he still, he loved us. God loved us in the past. Before we ever were thought of, God loved us. That's right. I think about what he says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1 in verse 5. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's belly. You see, that's how far back God's love goes. But further than that, because we read in 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, and 20, that Jesus is that lamb without spot and without blemish. And all this was planned before the foundation of the world. That's right. God's love goes way back. That's the length of his love. It goes way back into the, into the past. Revelation 21, 27 says um, that our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. But the length of God's love, not only seen in the past, but his length, the length of his love is seen in the present. Also, God loves us now. God loves us now. He wants the best for us now. The best life to live for, for anyone right now is to live in Christ. We read in 1 Peter 3.21 that baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of good conscience toward God. But God wants to save us now. Peter in Acts 2.39 and 40 says, Save yourselves from this, from this crooked generation. Save yourselves from this untoward Generation, God wants the best for us right now. Right now. He knows what's best for us and He, he wants us to have that relief from sin. He wants us to, to be able to walk that righteous path 
But God also loves us toward the future. The length of his love goes toward the future, past, present, and future. How do you know that? Well, you just know God. Doesn't 1 John 4, 7 say God is love? And then think about, has God ever had a beginning? Has he ever had an end? No. Psalm 90, Psalm number 90, verses 1 and 2 says, From everlasting, from everlasting thou art God. So if God is love and he's from everlasting to everlasting, then his love is from everlasting to everlasting. I would like to read a, a verse from Psalm 103 for a second. Psalm 103. One of your favorite chapters and mine. Psalm 103. And look at verse 11 and 17. Think about God's love and the eternity of it. Verse 11 of Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love, mercy toward those who fear him. See that? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his, is his mercy or steadfast love toward those who fear him. And then connect that to verse 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. There's, there's no interruption in God's love. There's no beginning to God's love. There's no end to God's love. There's no interruption in his love. There's no... There's no, it's an unbroken line of love. He just is love. He, he loves us from our past, before our past. He loves us presently. He loves us in concern for our future as well. He promises in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And he can back that up because of who he is. So we see the width of God's love and that God loves the whole world. And then we see the length of God's love in that he gave his son. Thirdly, let's notice the depth of his love. The depth of his love. He so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever believes in him, whosoever, I want to key in on that word, whosoever believes. Now we know when, when the word belief is used. It means belief to the point of obedience. Hebrews 5, 8, and 9. Okay. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. So we know what, we know what belief means. But key in on the word whosoever. Whosoever. See. That's the depth of his love. Think about those who he has saved with his love and gospel, who were so deep in sin. They were deep in sin. Appreciate Aaron leading that song. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. It's a good song, and it's very, very um, appropriate when you think about the depth of God's love. Think about Paul himself and all the persecution that he had brought and all the havoc he had brought to the, to the church, but God saved him. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, we read about some of the Corinthians who have been saved. They have been washed. They have been justified. They have been sanctified. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11. But I mean, they have, been, they have been deeply involved in such things as sorcery and drunkenness and sexual sins of all sorts. But God reached down 
and saved them. When Peter is preaching the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.36, he said, This Jesus whom you crucified, God reached down and saved those who were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus, whom you crucified. God has made both Lord and cross. What shall we do? Well, those that responded to the gospel on that day were saved from their sins because of the love of God. That's right. Two men came upon the ocean and they just stared at the ocean. And one said, look at all that water. And the other one said, yeah, I know. We're only seeing the top of it. We're only seeing the top of it. And that's the way it is with God's love. It's like an ocean. It's, it's, it's wider than the sky. It's, it's deeper than the ocean. It's just so deep and wide. How deep is God's love? It's deep enough to reach us in our sin. It's also deep enough to reach us when we're sad and sorrowful. I was just reading coming in Psalm 56. That's another one of your favorite chapters in the Bible. So, you ought to look at Psalm 56 and verse 8. Notice how your tears, what God does with your tears. God takes our tears and puts them in a bottle of his own. He takes his tears and he records them in a book. A book in a bottle. You think God's concerned about us when we're sad, when we're sorrowful, perplexed and confused? He is. In fact, he keeps a record of that. He's, he's very, very closely connected to what's going on in our lives. And I'd say that his love is deep enough to, to uh, secure us beyond the grave. We know it is. His love is deep enough to secure us even beyond death and the grave. I love it when Paul is finishing up his chapter there in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, long about verse 53, he said, you know, there's coming a time on that day when the trumpet shall sound and then the imperishable, that is our earthly bodies, the imperishable will put on, or I should say, the perishable, okay, our earthly bodies, will put on the imperishable and our mortal bodies will be changed and put on the immortality. And then we will remember what has been written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, oh death, where is your victory now? Oh, death, where is your sting? Okay, all that's been taken away because of the Lord Jesus. God's love has depth to it. How deep is his love? I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. So God's love has width to it. God's love has length to it. God's love has depth to it. And then notice also it has height. It has height. John 3, 16 he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish. This is the height of his love. Should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. When we come up from the waters of baptism, we have been brought out of a pit. 
This is called the heavenly places. This is part of the height of God's love. Ephesians 1 verse 3, if you want to notice it, Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You see, before you were in Christ, you were just in earthly places. But now, now you've been baptized into Christ, but you've been raised up. Now you are set on the heavenly places. Place of forgiveness. You're in the family of God. You've got real purpose now. You know where you're going. You have peace in your life. Heavenly places. There you are. See, there's height to God's love because you realize that you were deep in sin. Now you've been set on a rock. And now you're on, you're on God's land. It's something to be thankful for, isn't it? Appreciate Brother David Scarborough, and I enjoyed listening to him yesterday at Brother or Sister Council's uh, funeral. And he talked about this morning. We we're talking about um, how that um, when we give, when we give, we give ourselves first to the Lord, and it, giving is much more than just the first day of the week. It's it's much more than just money. And, and David, our brother David, illustrated that with, brother, with Sister Wanda because he was called upon and he helped her on all hours of the night, all throughout the week, time and time again, making several trips over to the, to the Florence area and then some and then some. But Brother David was telling about how that um, when you cut Wanda's yard, you got to first pick up all the walnuts. And it's not just a little basket full. It's like garbage can fulls of walnuts. And Sister Wanda, I remember her saying this uh, several times, that at night uh, it would keep her up sometimes because she had a tin roof and the walnuts would fall off and just bang, and just bang, and just bang. And so she had a hard time sometimes sleeping at night because of that. It got me to thinking, how do, how do you sleep at night? And do you have a sweet sleep? Because if you're in the heavenly places, you ought to have a very sweet, sweet sleep uh, with, with the Lord Jesus. We're promised this in 1 John 5, 13. John says, brethren, I have written these things unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. We don't have to go through life doubting it, thinking about it, wondering about it. We can have sweet sleep at night. See, that's the heavenly places. That's where we live right now. We live in the heavenly places, but that's nothing compared to what's coming. Jesus says, you get to be where I'm at. He says in John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. John writes in 1 John 3, 2 and 3, Brethren, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. And we'll be able to see him even as he is. That's the height of God's love. God's love has width, 
It has length, it has depth, it has height, no doubt about it. God's love is part of the true riches, the true riches. Can you, can you take just a moment and swallow that with me for, for a minute or two? The true riches, the true riches. Did you notice here in Ephesians 3, in the paragraph 14 to 19, that Paul, as he's praying, he's praying about the riches of God's glory. The riches of God's glory. Heaven is part of the true riches. Why are you talking about the true riches? Well, if you run over to Luke 16, and verse 11, during one of Jesus' parables, he talks about if you have not been faithful with the unrighteous money, wealth, he calls money unrighteous because so many people are taken in by money. If, you can't, if you're not faithful in the unrighteous wealth, mammon, then how can anyone entrust to you the true riches? Money's not the true riches. You see, Jesus makes that great contrast there. What are the true riches? Well, we're right on them this afternoon. The riches of His glory, the hope of heaven is, a, is, a, a, is part of the true riches. The love and mercy of God is part of the true riches. We read in Ephesians 2 and verse 4, God is rich in mercy. Okay, And then if you skip down to Ephesians 2 verse 7, we read about the immeasurable riches of His grace. Okay. Think about it with me for a second. What are these true riches? What are these true riches? I would say, wouldn't you, that forgiveness itself is one of the true riches of God. For we read in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9 about Jesus. We, Paul starts that verse and says, You know the grace of our Lord, how that though He was rich. Now watch, watch the play on words here. Though He was rich, yet for our sakes... He became poor, that through his poverty we may become rich. Okay. And of course, the rich there for us is not money. It's what Jesus did by coming here, becoming poverty for us, so that we could be rich in forgiveness, okay. rich in purpose, and, and rich with hope. You see, true riches, true wisdom. If you look in James 1 and verse 5, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. Well, wisdom and knowledge from God is, is part of the true riches. God taking care of us, that promise of taking care of us is part of his true riches. Okay. Well, I just don't know how much you can endure on all this, but it's exciting and, it, and it's just... Um, it's a big part, it's a big part of, of understanding uh, giving to God. Understanding giving. Because God says, if you give to me, then I'm going to abundantly give back to you. But unless you understand what his true riches are, you're going to be constantly disappointed in life. Okay? Because too many people think, well, if I give to God, then he's going to give me more money. I'm going to give to God. He's going to give me more money. Now, God's going to take care of our needs, 
But his riches go far beyond things that we can see. And that's why I'm bringing up these true riches. Okay? Love and mercy and grace of God is part of the true riches. All of what we've mentioned is part of God's true riches. And he's shy. he takes those true riches and brings them to us. Okay. We may have just enough to scrape by in this life, but that doesn't mean that God hasn't showered us and showered us and showered us and poured down upon us true riches. Blessings and blessings, blessings, just of another kind, but it's the greatest kind, right? right. So, I've done exactly what I intended to do. I wanted to look at the, the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love and then tie that back in to what is considered by the Bible as true riches and if God is bringing us to true riches we have nothing to complain about I find it very interesting and let me just give this remark about Michael J. Fox most likely with his upbringing and where he is and he's probably not serving the Lord but there's something about him I want to share with you. Okay. I've, I've listened to interviews with him several times because he captured my attention back when he was a movie star. And he's about our age anyway. Okay. After just a TV show and two or three movies, he already had enough money to to be very convenient all his life, plus probably whatever children and grandchildren he would have, they're going to be just fine and convenient their lives, and then some, and then some, and then some. But when they interviewed him, because now for years he's had Parkinson's disease, but when you interview him, when they interview him, he always says, at least in the ones I've heard, that the greatest gift he's ever been given is the Parkinson's disease. He said, that's been the greatest gift. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Why does he continuously say that? I think being in that condition has helped him get at least a glimpse in his introspection of himself. He gets a glimpse of what could be the true riches. And we need to stop and consider God's true riches ourselves. Appreciate being here this afternoon. Appreciate this good service that we're having. I appreciate personally the love of God. Where would we be without His great love? Appreciate the song that's been selected. Let's all take a close look at our own hearts, our own lives. Let's remember this about God's love. The proper response to God's love is to obey. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But the second response to God's love is to love like he loves. That's what Jesus says in John 13, 34, and 35. So this width and length and depth and height of God's love is to be within us and we're to go express that to everyone around us. Let's stand and sing. Brother Aaron.